Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Growth Podcast. My name is Matt, and I am super excited to welcome today Rachel Barge, who's the founder at LeapGrow, which is a group of growth marketers that help startups with interesting growth problems. Rachel, thank you so much for joining today. Hey, Matt. It's great to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. So why don't you give the audience a quick background on yourself? We talked a couple weeks ago, and I just thought that you were awesome and absolutely wanted to have you on. Let's give the folks some context on who you are, and then we'll jump into the topic. Great. Yeah. So my background is that I have been head of marketing or head of growth for several different venture-backed startups over the years. And I figured out I could do this work independently. So I've been consulting for the past three years. I started LeapGrow because I just want to help companies with interesting growth problems and bring all the things I learned in-house to a new set of companies. That is awesome. And one of the things that you were super passionate about as a result of all of your experience when we talked is that you think agencies are not so great. And maybe you'll say it in slightly stronger words than I would. I think the reality is a lot of startups decide to outsource growth, especially paid to agencies, because the idea is like you save costs, you can double down on a core competency that an agency might have in something like paid and you're trying to scale so many other things, like get the expert center, hire an agency, put money in and get more money out. But as you were saying when we were talking, in reality, these contracts and relationships don't necessarily always work out as expected. Why are you super passionate about this? Yeah, when we were talking, this kept coming up. And my interest in this topic of why agencies are so terrible really just comes from my firsthand experience of the wake of devastation of terrible results (laughs) I've seen from agencies in startups where I'm being asked to come in and resuscitate the paid marketing programs at a company, or I'm coming in to sort of evaluate how a company can grow. And I end up inheriting these accounts where I look at what these agencies did. This is a crime. Like no one should be allowed to be this bad. And I just don't understand how these agencies get away with doing such a bad job. I don't really understand how they stay in business. So it's become a topic of great fascination for me (laughs) because I find it very confusing. And this is from your constant like showing up, you're looking at all the work that they're doing. And it's surprising. I, I mean, even I'm surprised by how often this seems to happen where maybe a company had hired an agency for six, nine, 12 months and there just weren't results there the whole time. Yeah, you just find a lot of really strange things. And this I commiserate with a lot of other fellow growth marketers. I consider myself part of a independent growth marketer mafia. And there's a bunch of us who have been in-house heads of growth or directors of paid marketing at different companies. And now we do it independently. Kind of everyone I talk to in this space, it's like we just see this over and over and over again. And like some of us have almost like a cottage industry of like doing agency cleanups. And you're like, why do people keep hiring agencies when so often the results they do, whether in Facebook ads or Google ads, just perform so poorly? Okay, so I want to dive into why you think they don't work and where they fail most often. Right before that, I just want to clear something up. Aren't you an agency? Like, I'm sure some people are like, wait a minute, isn't Rachel also kind of an agency here? (laughs) No. Uh, Yeah, I'm not an agency. I don't consider myself an agency. I make fun of agencies on my website. I'm not an agency because, well, number one, I'm not a pyramid scheme of labor, which is what I define agencies as. When folks hire me or they hire LeapGrow, I work on every single client. I never have more than like three, maybe four clients at the most. And the people who work on 
the clients that I work with, it's just a really small number of just only expert individuals. And so I'm not trying to grow and become this like enormous thing. I'm just trying to help half a dozen companies a year execute incredible results that help them grow. And that's a very different business model than an agency. All right. So I think you touched on it a little bit in there. Let's start with why don't agencies work? Yep. So (laughs) I think there's two primary reasons why agencies don't really work. And the first I sort of referenced, which is they are a pyramid scheme of labor. What does that mean? An agency's goal, their business model is to acquire as many clients as possible, get those clients on retainer with dollars coming in every month. And then their job is to staff those clients with as few individuals as possible and to really orient towards the lowest skilled least well-paid people in their organization. So when you go into an agency pitch, you have someone who's really impressive in front of you. They're the director of the agency. They're the head of the paid marketing department at that agency. And you're like, man, this person's amazing. They're a real expert. Yeah. Newsflash, that person's not going to be working on your account. That person's going to maybe check in on your account like a couple times a month at the most. And the person actually doing the work on your account is like a guy named Tad who graduated from college one year ago who has like no idea what he's doing. And that's how that agency makes money because Tad doesn't really cost them much. And they can kind of use the senior person to sell the project and then staff you with a really junior person. So that's number one. And then the second and probably more important reason why I think agencies don't work is that I believe that they define their result and their product, like what they're doing for you, as fundamentally their definition of success is spending your money, basically. They say, we're an advertising agency, we're a marketing agency, and really what we need to do is just take the client's budget and just like spray it into these different ad accounts. And as long as we spend the money and we do it in a diversified way, we do it according to our quote-unquote playbook of best practices, then we succeeded. I work shoulder to shoulder with startup CEOs and we don't define my success as like, I effectively spent your money. (laughs) That's not a product. That's not valuable. What we're here to do is to drive a result. If you're in e-commerce, we're trying to drive purchases. We're trying to acquire new customers. We're trying to grow top line revenue. We're trying to optimize conversion rates. And those are the results that we're aiming for. And agencies fundamentally don't feel (laughs) not to have a double meaning, they don't believe they have agency in moving those numbers. They don't feel accountable and responsible to your product. They don't feel accountable to how it's marketed, how it's described, how it's priced, the orientation of the landing pages. I encounter agencies that don't even have access to like the fundamental analytics in some cases of revenue results of the company. That's not how they measure themselves. They just measure themselves. Did we spend the budget? Was the click-through rate decent? Did the client get the report at the end of the month? To me, that's just not a recipe for success. I have a question here. How does a client wind up in that state? Is it just because they have so many other things going on that they just know that they have this budget line item that's got to get spent? Like, How does this, from your perspective, continue to happen and just passively happen where you see agencies spending money and they're not necessarily driving results? Yeah. And I think that that orientation just from the agency side actually comes from like the evolution of agencies, right? They came out of advertising agencies. They came out of the Mad Men era. And it was the classic agency client is like a car company 
or an alcohol brand. In the past, it was like, oh, let's buy billboards, let's put in print ads. And then the internet came along and they're like, oh, I guess we need a new place to put the money. Better put the money on the internet. But they're still fundamentally in the paradigm of like, my job is to spend the client's money. And even digital first agencies, I believe, operate that way because it's too risky for them to actually guarantee a result or an outcome. They don't want to sit in a pitch. They don't want to sign a contract that says, I'm obligated to drive the result that you're looking for because they don't feel like they have control. Don't work with young startups. Keep working with like Captain Morgan's. Sell Toyota cars. Make the ads for Toyota. Like Toyota can afford to have you waste all their money. The little startups that I work for, like they can't afford to have you waste their money. And that's where... I think it's a big problem. And so I think that, but to get to your real question, which is, well, why do startups get in these situations? You have to be great at 19 different things to grow a startup successfully. And it makes sense that you'd be like, well, that's all these agencies do. They just do digital advertising. If that's the only thing they do, they're probably good at it, right? Like they wouldn't be in business if they're not good at it. And unfortunately, that's just not, in my experience, in like the data footprint that I review, that's just not true they're not good at it. And I think the difficulty is that there isn't information parity and there's not expertise parity for these startups to actually be able to evaluate what's a good agency and what's a bad agency, what's a good strategy, what's a bad strategy, and who should they trust. They don't know that there's a growth marketer mafia that you can hire to do growth for you. And they maybe don't know how to hire their own in-house person or they can't afford a great in-house person. And so they just end up walking into the clutches of these agencies. They hope for the best. And a lot of times it just doesn't turn out very well. Yeah. And maybe it's because there's pressure from investors to say, all right, this is the channel that we'd like to see you doubling down on or, or whatever it might be. So you touched on it here. So maybe someone listening is like, oh, boy, I'm paying an agency right now. Are they bad? Like, how, how can somebody tell if they are in one of these situations or if they are talking to an agency that they're potentially hiring? Like, what should they look out for to know if that agency is actually like doing a good job or not? Yeah, totally. Let's start from like, you're walking into a pitch, you haven't hired them yet. What should you look for? And then we can look at how to evaluate your current agency and see if they're doing okay. So for the first one, the problem when you walk into the pitches is that you're going to get wowed by like a verbal diarrhea of buzzwords from them. And if you don't understand marketing, you're going to be like, wow, that sounds so smart. Machine learning and algorithms and big data and proprietary technology and analytics and advertising platforms and blah. And you're going to be like, man, they're the best. I'm in great hands. Like I should hire them. All those buzzwords and all the techniques when they talk about, we're going to do awareness first, and then we're going to drive towards conversion. And they talk a lot about the tactics. They talk about first we do this tactic, then we do this tactic and this tactic. What they're telling you is they're saying, hi, I have a cookie cutter formula. I'm going to apply my cookie cutter formula to your brand. And I'm not going to customize it really in any meaningful way but it has so many buzzwords. The formula has buzzwords. So you can trust that it's really smart and really good. Tactics and formulas don't get results. The only way to know if that agency has driven meaningful results is to ask them, what are the meaningful results that you've driven in the past? What was the specific cost of acquisition on a product in your portfolio that was like similar to my product? What was the specific conversion rate of the prospecting traffic that you drove? What was the conversion rate on the Facebook channel compared to the Google channel? When you started, what was the cost of acquisition? And then where did you get the cost of acquisition down to over time? 
And if they look at you and their eyes are like blinking and really wide and they don't have an answer to that. And if they give you the classic like, oh, well, we can't possibly share proprietary data about our past clients. You have to say, look, I'm not trying to get under the hood of your past clients, but you need to have fluency in the language of results. And if you don't have fluency in the language of results and you're not willing to speak to track records of performance, that's a huge red flag for me because I have clients that they want to know what I've done for folks in the past if I'm talking to them. And I don't need to share the brand name of that company. I can just say, hey, I worked for a direct-to-consumer apparel brand and I got the cost of acquisition from this to this. I got the conversion rate from this to this. I'm not sharing any proprietary information. I'm not revealing trade secrets from that client, but I am giving you confidence that's like, hmm, well, she must have like at least watched the numbers or like known what the numbers were when she was doing this work. Whereas it's very common that agencies like they don't want to go anywhere near that conversation because that conversation actually reveals that they don't really even pay attention to those metrics and they don't have a good track record of success to point to. I love that because for anyone listening and for me in, in my future, it's almost like you can't afford to not ask those questions, right? Like you are about to spend so much money through this agency as a channel of cash investment that you have to spend the time to pre-educate yourself enough to know what good answers to those questions look like. Yeah, exactly. And there's lots of maybe advisors to your company or just other senior growth marketers, other former VPs of growth, VPs of marketing, ask them to arm you with the best questions. If you're the founder and you don't know what to ask, ask other people that are neutral territory that are going to (laughs) actually help you provide a framework for interviewing agencies or individuals or full-time hires. I actually apply the same approach. I don't care if you're hiring an agency or a full-time person or a growth consultant they should have a really robust track record of excellent results before they earn your money and the opportunity to go work with you. So lean on people who are friends of your company to help you with that if you don't know what to ask. Okay, so now let's go on the second part of this, that you're currently working with an agency. What are warning signs to look out for? Well, if you have an agency and your business isn't going down in flames, that's great. Maybe they're not that bad. I'm not saying you should go in and fire them knee jerk just because they're an agency, (laughs) but talk to other folks in your category and just say, Hey, you know, over beers, like what's the kind of cost of acquisition you're getting for this product? Or what are you spending on like your agency or your growth consultant or whatever? How do you guys run that at your company? And you might run into a situation where you're like, wow, I thought the best cost of acquisition we could get was like $90 for every new customer, but someone over here, they're getting 35, like, holy crap, maybe I should be holding my agency to a higher standard. So one is just getting comps from your investors, from friendly competitors or other folks in tangential industries. And then another is just really making sure you have a handle on the conversion rates of the traffic that's being driven. So I work a lot with direct-to-consumer e-commerce brands. And so we basically just live inside Google Analytics quite a lot as like a central sort of way to look at where is the traffic coming from? What is the unique conversion rate on that traffic? You should be able to go in and just look at every single visitor your agency is driving. We can evaluate the conversion rate on that traffic and you should compare it to your other channels. And if it's If it's less healthy than your other channels, that's a red flag. One of the things that we had talked about prior was that you had an example of what an agency had been doing with someone that you like came in and started working with. Do you want to walk through that example with us? Yeah, I would love to. So, and this is, I'm not going to talk about the specific company in this, but I was recently, I got contacted by a friend who's the CEO of of a cool direct-to-consumer startup that I like. 
And they were saying, we just had this terrible experience with this agency. We spent X dollars. Those dollars could have been spent on like a full-time hire, but instead we spent them on this agency and the agency produced basically nothing. We're just thinking paid marketing just doesn't work for our company. We should never do paid marketing again. Is that a mistake? And I said, well, you know, before I can say if that's a mistake or should be your long-term view, I'd love to get under the hood and like really look at what they did and look at what's happening for your business and give you an assessment of that. So I went ahead and did that. And I found some really interesting things. And this is, again, this is like very typical results that I see (laughs) from agencies. For example, for this company, and they're kind of a new company, so they're early on, but their site-wide conversion rate is 0.32%. Percent just for people who aren't familiar with like healthy conversion rates on e commerce websites, you really want your site wide conversion rate to be at least 2%. 2% is considered healthy industry average in e commerce. So, just at first glance, like, ooh, their site wide is 0.32, so that's really not healthy, and they need to be doing everything they can to try to get their site wide conversion rate up to 2%. The traffic the agency drove, the conversion rate on that traffic was 0.05%. Absolutely atrocious. I see lots of bad results. That is among the worst that I've ever seen. To really bring this to life for them and to try to show them what's possible if you have healthy conversion rates is I actually just built them a little table. And I said, what if we spent $10,000 on like Facebook ads? Let's look at your average cost per click on Facebook. So we're being fair and we're applying that $10,000 we're getting roughly 6,000 clicks for that $10,000. And at a 0.05 conversion rate that the agency drove, you spend $10,000, you only get three purchases in your store. That's a cost of acquisition of $3,333. That's crazy. And the cost of the items in the store is like 40 bucks. So you spend three and a half grand to get a $40 purchase. Like no one would ever do that, right? But let's pretend the agency had even been able to match the current site-wide conversion rate, which is 0.32. That 10,000 bucks only gets you 19 purchases. You still have an over $500 cost of acquisition. Still not good. $10,000 at the 2% conversion rate gets you 116 purchases. That's a CAC of $85. That's getting warmer. If you are able to achieve a 4% site-wide conversion rate, which generally for the companies that I work with, when I come in and I help optimize their conversion rates, I try to get their site-wide up to 4%, sometimes higher than that. And if you have a 4% conversion rate, that 10,000 bucks gets you 231 purchases at a CAC of $43. So in that case, with a $40 item, like you're getting close to sort of making the money back on that first purchase in terms of like making that sort of a cost-neutral purchase. When I look at performance traffic though, and I say for channels like Facebook or Google, we're paying for every single visitor who's coming into the store. Like we have to hold ourselves to a higher standard than just our site-wide conversion rate. I like to see performance channels operating at a five to 8% conversion rate. So let's just say something in the middle, 6%, 10,000 bucks at a 6% conversion rate gets you 347 purchases. That's a $28 CAC. And all of a sudden we now have a positive ROAS. Our return on ad spend is north of one. And especially if we can get these folks into a repeat purchase funnel, we can get them to subscribe. Now we have a healthy channel here and we can actually go to our investors and say, hey, for every dollar we spend, we're getting a dollar 40 out. And that's just on the first purchase and we're going to get more purchases down the road. So let's invest in this channel. So I don't believe that when I looked at their business, I said, I don't see anything here that tells me that you guys can't be successful selling your product online. I just don't think you're selling it in the right way. And I think that 
your biggest problem is are these conversion rates. And that's the number one thing we have to focus on. Like the solution is not going to come from more ads and more traffic. It's going to come from fixing the conversion rate. I love that example. Thank you so much for walking us through that. So a question on that. I feel like one of the things that someone might get in a loop on is, all right, well, the conversion rate's low right now on some of our channels, but like we need more time. It'll get better. It'll get better. It'll get better. When will it not get better? Or or like how fast should those rates be getting better if you're working with somebody that's pretty effective? Yeah, totally. And for example, like this friend that I came in and did that audit for, they've been burned. So they're just like, well, but if I bring you in to do some stuff on this, like when would I expect, like how soon will we know? Because exactly like you're saying, the number one thing you're going to hear from an agency in like really the first two months that you work with them is they're going to go to market. They're going to launch all your ads. And then a week later, you're going to be like, okay, nothing happened. Almost no purchases occurred. When is it going to get better? And they're going to say, just give it time. Like be patient. We're building the audience. We're training the algorithms. They're going to use all their buzzwords they used again from the pitch. That's just an absolute lie. If your traffic conversion rate is horrible on day one, like it actually won't get better. It will not get meaningfully better no matter how long you wait. It's like maybe the quote algorithms are going to like slightly improve. And Google, for example, is a platform that does take a little bit longer to learn conversion data and to get better. That's often why I usually start with Facebook. And when I launch with a client on day one, I'm looking at GA. Day two, I'm like, this is the conversion rate we're driving right now. As long as I have a couple hundred clicks, a couple hundred site visits to make sure that we're statistically relevant, that is the conversion rate we're going to be getting. And I will turn things off within 24 or 48 hours and just say, well, that approach didn't work. We need to rebuild and we have to go out again because I'm not going to sit there and waste my client's money week after week after week saying my fingers are crossed behind my back and hopefully this gets better. It won't. The reason why the conversion rate is bad is because the thing you are presenting to people is not resonating. They are not feeling urgency. They are not feeling motivated and they're not buying. And like you have to fix those things. It's not a matter of just giving it time. The offer and the creative is not just going to magically start to get better with the audience. It's like, no, you have to change that approach entirely. Yeah. And like, ideally you did an initial build where it's like you have a robust build with various audience segments in it with different approaches so that, you know, I'm not saying don't look at data. I'm not saying don't build data over time. I'm not saying like the minute something like shut everything off within a day, if you don't see magically great CACs. But what I am saying is that you can know much, much, much sooner if things are working than what agencies will tell you. And the reason that they tell you to wait is because they have no idea what they're doing and they know it's not going to get better and they're just delaying. They're just like trying to delay your realization that what they do sucks and you firing them. You should be looking at what they do right away and saying, look, the conversion rate on the traffic you're driving, it's below 2%. It's not even at e-commerce health normal rates. Why is this? What are you doing to make it better? How do we get it north of 2%? How do we get it north of 4%? How do we get it north of 5%? (laughs) If they don't have answers for how they're going to do that, then they won't be able to. Then you should fire them and fire them and don't hire them in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I think this is really interesting because I feel like the perception is you hire an agency and then you're immediately going to write off the first three months as like the test drive time and... What you're saying is if you are going to make that sort of hire, you have to be in and paying attention immediately. You can't turn on the attention later or else you're going to burn all that money 
you have to be paying attention right away. Yeah, yeah. Every dollar matters. And let's think about every other core competency in your company. Like, are you going to hire a software developer who's like, hey, you know what, just so you know, like for the first three months, the code I write will pretty much just always break. But I just need you to stick with me because it's the conversion optimizer, big data algorithm, blah, 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 blah. No, they need to provide a quality product right away. You don't hire a warehouse fulfillment center that's like, for the first three months, like we usually send most of the packages to the wrong address. No, this is business. Like it needs to work. There really should never be a case where you have to wait weeks or months before you have a sense of whether it's working for you. That is awesome. Okay. So one of the things that you had mentioned was that you have a formula that you know and use to beat what a normal agency result kind of looks like. I feel like the audience can learn a bit from like a high level run through of what that looks like. Yeah. And I will say that it's not formula TM and it's not a cookie cutter (laughs) (laughs) approach. Like it's not an agency approach to what I do. I think the question is, why am I able to beat agencies over and over again? Why do people hire me to clean up the crap their agencies did? And why am I successful at doing that regardless of the product category? Whether it's consumer packaged good or clothing or a marketplace of experiences or a car share service, like why am I able to beat agencies regardless of the product category? These are my big secrets to success. (laughs) My first one is actually that I just really, really give a shit. And that sounds like a weird thing to say, but like the truth is, your agency just doesn't care about you. You're just another line on the spreadsheet of like active accounts that they have open and that they're hoping to milk you for as long as possible until you fire them. I'm sure people that work in agencies are really nice, like they're nice people, but their business model doesn't allow them to care about you the same way that an in-house employee will care about you or the same way that a really fantastic growth marketer who handpicks the companies they work with and only works with two or three or four at a time, the degree to which we would care about you. And actually caring is like a huge differentiator. (laughs) It really matters because if I have the belief that every dollar in my client matters, that the results that they are driving are life or death, that if I do a good job, more people will get hired and the company can grow. And if I do a bad job, people will get fired And the company may go out of business, which I've actively seen in the wake of sort of agency results. I'm just going to approach my work really differently. And I think that you want to have people on your team, like everybody that you bring into your company should treat your business as if it's life or death to them. And so that's how I approach the people that I work with. And I just don't think agencies structurally can do that. So number one, I give a huge amount of shits about my clients. (laughs) Number two, I focus really really significantly on the first time user experience of that product or service, the FTUX. And what this means is I actively, before I spend a single penny on advertising, I will spend weeks working with the team to actively understand and optimize what it feels like for a brand new person who's never heard of this company before to land on this website to navigate to the products and to be successful at checking out. So if I joined a company, like let's say I work with a company I mentioned where I gave the example of their 0.32% conversion rate, we're in the danger zone, right? Like our conversion rate is really unhealthy. There's no way I could advertise 
right now. I have to go in and understand why is the conversion rate so low and what can I do to improve it? And it comes down to really fundamental things, like things where I take complete ownership and I'm willing to touch every part of the product. I'm willing to touch price. I'm willing to touch merchandising, where it is in the store. I'm willing to to touch the product name, title, messaging, how it's positioned. I'm going to build performance landing pages that are designed to really sell that product. I'm going to invent a new customer join offer which is really instrumental in terms of optimizing the first-time user experience of a new customer. I mean, when was the last time you went to a website of a brand you've never heard of and without any kind of incentive, without any kind of urgency language, without any kind of new customer discount, you were just like, you know what? I'm just going to buy that product full price. That sounds great. You don't do that. Products that you actually buy online come from you looking at like a really compelling, interesting initial ad that got your interest, you get to the site and you're like, wow, holy crap. Like if I try this product, I'm going to get these three different things. And they're willing to give me this like awesome discount because I'm a new customer and it has all these benefits and it solves all these problems. And like, man, that's like a really good deal. That's a no brainer. Like I should just do that. It's like, that's a successful sales process online, right? That didn't just happen magically. And that certainly didn't happen because the web design agency that designed your website gave you that. Web agencies don't build compelling acquisition experiences. It's just not in their core competency. So they can deliver you a beautiful website. Your products look great. The landing page, the homepage looks great, but it's really not designed to sell. So I come into companies and I figure out what do we need to do to sell your product, to generate desire, sell the benefits, and just create the aha moment? And how do I put in urgency mechanics to actually motivate people to buy now. Because the truth is, people love to look at your product. They're like, "Mm, that just looks so cool. What a cool product. Click X out of window, back to cat videos on Facebook. Unless you have urgency mechanics about why they should stop what they're doing and buy your product right now, they're not going to. So those are mechanics that I use to help optimize the conversion rate for the clients that I work with. And once we figure that stuff out, then we go advertise. And in some cases, the advertising is the avenue that we use to actually stress test our assumptions. You might not have enough traffic to even determine whether these optimizations and these changes are effective. And so very hand in hand, I use Facebook ads to do iterative testing to basically come up with like a bulletproof formula where we're like, if we have this kind of ad to this landing page, we get a 6% conversion rate. Let's run that all day. I would say I regularly execute that entire process of optimization, testing, and getting the formula. That takes me two to three months with a company. The same amount of time that an agency would be like, just wait as we do nothing on your behalf and just make an Excel report for you every week. That same amount of time, you could actually have a growth marketer who hands you a bulletproof acquisition machine and is like, great, we can just put money into this. Right. And it's so much more holistic than just putting money into an ad platform. Yeah. And it has to be completely custom for every company I work with. Like I can't just have some cookie cutter process. I don't say everybody needs to offer a 20% discount for first time customers. No, we have to go evaluate your specific product and figure out how we set customers up for success and really also how we set them up to become repeat purchasers. And you should be thinking about that from the beginning as part of your FTUX. Cool. All right. So I got a couple last questions here. So in what scenario somebody's listening, should they go hire an agency from your perspective? Like when does it make sense, if at all? Hire an agency if you don't care about your results. 
if the only thing you're being measured on is the amount of money you spend on paid, yeah, agency is a very fast and effective way to spend that money. The other way it would make sense to hire an agency is if you already have a formula that works. We have this amazing acquisition performance landing page. We already have ad copy that just performs really well. And we're just going to hand this to this agency, give them our playbook and just be like, okay, run this at scale. Take this insight. We discovered this formula on Facebook and now we want to put it on to Pinterest and YouTube and all these other places. Go do that. There's an efficiency of scale of like human hours that an agency could offer you. But again, acquisition machines have like a three to six month lifespan, like maybe 12 months if you really are going to milk it for all it's worth. At a certain point, that landing page is going to get tired. Certainly your ad creative needs to be refreshed at least every three to four weeks. And so it's hard for me to trust putting my future in the hands of an agency just because they can't really iterate and continue to drive success. Yeah, only if you really have an existing machine that works and you just, for some reason, you lost your in-house person, you can't find a good consultant. You're like, well, as a stopgap solution, let's just get this agency in here to do this. Got it. And then if someone's not going to hire an agency, aside from obviously hiring someone like you, what should somebody do instead? Is it they should absolutely build their own core competency around it? Or what is the approach? I think the two ways forward instead of an agency is hire in-house people. And I think when you think about in-house, there's sort of two models. One is someone who's a little bit more senior, who's done this before, who has the experience. Another option is just hire a really smart young person that's cheaper and just get them to learn it. Pair them with a mentor. Be willing to pay for three to four hours a month for them to access a really senior growth marketer and be like, great, this expert is around to train you and teach you, but you're going to be the person that does the legwork. That's a great model that actually, when I was learning the ropes, that was something that helped me. Or if you're not ready to hire in-house for something, go find an expert in the in the growth marketer mafia. There are so many talented growth marketers who have been really senior players inside startups who have figured out that they can do this without being an in-house person. And that person can spend 10 to 15 hours a week on your company and they can drive the result you're looking to drive and they're going to cost less than a full-time hire. And for them, they get the freedom and flexibility of their schedule and they get the diversity of working with a couple of companies at the same time, they can really do a great job for you. It's a month-to-month relationship. If for some reason you're not happy with it, you can cut ties and, and move forward. So it gives you a lot of flexibility. Finding those people, search for them on LinkedIn, search for growth marketers. If you're looking for an agency, you're in the wrong place. That's literally the tagline on their website. And they're called Right Side Up. And Right Side Up is a collective of premium growth marketers. Like I talked about, they have people like me in their network. They have lots of other growth marketers in their network, and they will place a really senior consultant at your company and help you solve the growth problem you're looking to solve. And you get all of that flexibility while getting like a really senior, talented person who's fully dedicated just to you. Right Side Up is literally the only organization that I'm aware of that's doing this type of work at scale. Again, LeapGrow is a very small shop. I handpick all my clients. I only work with a couple at a time. I'm not trying to get bigger. Right Side Up has more consultants in their network than I do. Go find people like that. Awesome. All right, Rachel, this has been such a fun episode to record. Do you have anything else that you wanted to share before we go ahead and wrap up? I just appreciate the opportunity to be here. And I also want to say, I guess my caveat is I have not worked with every agency in the world, believe it or not. I do believe there's probably some agencies that are good. I have never met one. So if you like think that you're a good agency and you can actually talk about your results, like feel free to reach out to me. 
on LinkedIn or on my website. And if you work at an agency, I honor you. You are a great person. Everything I shared today was from my personal experience. And so I'm really on the side of the entrepreneur. I want startups and entrepreneurs to be successful. And so I just shared what I did because I I hate seeing these cases where companies really get taken for a ride and they get a lot of their precious money wasted. And so I think that there's a lot of other ways. There's lots of ways you can avoid that. There's enough good, talented growth marketers out there that nobody should have to hire an agency if you're at a, at a startup. All right. Well, Rachel, thank you again. As I said, has been a real pleasure for all of you that are listening. Thank you so much for doing so. As always, if you're a fan, hit the subscribe button, leave a review, reach out to me. My email is mattadrift.com. If you have ideas for topics, feedback, anything of the sort, I'd love to hear from you and I will catch you on the next episode. All right. Thanks again, Rachel. Thanks, Matt.